When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Asking all the big questions this morning on Saturdays in the Gong. Who's going to be halfback for New South Wales? Who's going to coach the Dragons? How good are the Warriors going? All of that and more. Two hours of power. 15.75 down here in the Illawarra. All for the first hour. Uh, 11.70 up there in Sydney. Good morning to you. With thanks to GWM Havel at Wollongong City Motors. Visit them for a test drive today. And Impact Garage Doors. Impacting homes for 20 years Hit up impactgaragedoors.com.au. I'm Tim Barrow, the Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor. Joining me is my learned rugby league colleague, Mitch Jennings. Good morning, Jenna. Good morning, good morning. Does it help? He just scratches me where I itch every Saturday morning. Oh, it gets you up and going. You might be dragging your feet a little bit and then bang, Saturday, here we go. Yep, We're up and running. You just hit that mark at 8 o'clock. The Wollongong Golf Club in absolute pristine condition where we're broadcasting live this morning. And the man who drives more kilometres than anyone <laughs> in the NRL, Matt Russell. You were down there covering the Raiders and the Warriors game. And now you'll be at two venues the uh, this afternoon. Good morning to you. What a night last night for the Warriors. Look, it was never going to spoil the Raiders celebration. But the result, the scoreboard, very much in favour of the Warriors. We'll talk more about them. And how good is the Wollongong golf course looking? If it doesn't host a PGA Tour Live Tour event (laughs) over the next 12 months, there's something wrong with this unification. And you know the day is going well when even the bush turkey is getting braver here, Baz. I just saw a couple pecking around at the power cord there. We might be having barbecued bush turkeys in a little while. They're listening in. They're that keen. That's our audience. What are you going to talk about today? What is happening? A couple of bush turkeys on Saturdays in the gong. That's our audience. I thought you were going to say a couple of bush turkeys hosting (laughs) the Saturdays. There's there's three of them hosting. A couple of turkeys with an opinion on who will be the New South Wales halfback. Well, there's plenty of places to start, but we may as well start there, lads. Uh, Plenty of reports in the last couple of days that Mitch Moses is the front runner to be half uh, be half back in a three-way tussle. Nico Hines has been in the mix for a couple of years, obviously came off the bench in the dying minutes in Game 1, which obviously ended pretty badly for New South Wales. So that's your contenders. And Adam Reynolds, a man who is probably more... Well, he's more experienced than all of them, also plays up there in Brisbane every week. So where do we land? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's so many... Now that we talk so much about combinations, you, you can't say who will be the halfback without saying who will be the 5'8". And you can't... It's like join the dots. You can't match one halfback to the same 5'8". It's all getting very, 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 very complicated. So I, I tend to think they need to make it less complicated pick a halfback pick a 5-8 stop thinking about where it's going to be stop the, the, I've said it a lot Baz I, this obsession we now have with combinations we never had that back in the day do you think do you think Cooper Cronk and Jonathan Thurston struggled to click 
from the jump. Obviously, they did later on, but do you think they struggled early on? You just pick the best two halves, and they'll make it work. I, I don't know, Matty. I've been all, tell me, all where over. Where does this obsession come from? I have been all over, all over the place like a mad woman's makeup this week. I've been going for Reynolds and Walker. I've been thinking Mitch Mose, but you know what? I think right here, right now, I'm just going to go with Nico Hines was in the 17. Yeah. He's the Dalian medalist. He's been one of the best players over the last 18 months. Put him at halfback, put Luai at 5'8", and get on with the show of winning at Suncorp Stadium. I, I, I think that Cody Walker missing this weekend, I could mount an argument that you could sit out one weekend and still play Origin when you've had such a good season as he has. And I know that Adam Reynolds has been there, big game player, nerves of steel, no Suncorp, but... I just, I've landed on Nico Hines playing seven, Luai playing six, and then off you go. To me, and I think the same way, mainly because Walker's out this week, to me that gives clear-headed thinking, or the chance to, that you can pick Nico Hines with confidence. He's been around the squad. I mean, Mitch Moses has played Origin before. Adam Reynolds has been there and done that. No qualms at all. But they have groomed Nico Hines. And, you know, I was listening to Matty Johns there yesterday on his show, Morning Glory, on SEN. I mean, they were making the same point. Nico Hines is the man in waiting. He's been there ready to go. You go Nico Hines, you go Luai, and you get on with the show. Because their defence out of game one was, the whole thing was, well, we controlled all the ball. We had all the opportunities. We just couldn't get the ball over the line in the first half. And then, obviously, they didn't nail it when they had uh, the extra men when Queensland, you know, had, had the sin bin. So... They didn't nail it, but they were close to winning the game. So, to me, play on. Look, I think where the debate or where the broader discussion about halfbacks is coming, I think it comes down to kicking. For me, for the most part, Nico Hines is a, is a very accomplished kicker, but not to the level of Nathan Cleary. So, if you're talking about purely on kicking games, I mean, yep. Moses or an Adam Reynolds is probably more like for like in that, and that's going to be really, really important, especially given Damian Cook's probably going to come in at, at hooker, not a but not a natural kicker of the footy. It could bring, you know, a Matt Burton into the frame. That's why I think he's in the frame in the centres because he gives you that extra kicking option. I think that's where the concern lies. Mitch Moses has a complete kicking game top to bottom. Adam Reynolds, I'd say, the best kicking game of, of, one of, of our era, probably. He's, very, he's up there in that conversation. So I think it would be simpler uh, if it wasn't for the kicking. I think that's where the concern comes down to. There's so much talk about can you build pressure. And for all the criticism Nathan Cleary copped after after game one about I guess not getting him over the line, not taking advantage of all that possession and everything else. He was landing that ball on a dime mm. right in front of the try line time after time after time. They got a try from it. Queensland finally couldn't defuse one and he just chipped away at it. I don't know if Nico Hines has the same ability to just put it on a sixpence like that over and over and over again. And Adam Reynolds does, and Mitch Moses does. I think that's where the thinking is. I think that's where the debate is, is coming into it. I'm with you on Cody Walker. It, the fact that he's not going to play uh, today makes it a little bit... But should it? Should it? Like, he, he's had such a stunning season. Try, assist, creative. So good to watch. Air. I think he gives him clear air. That yeah, but, is what I think. But if you, if you were to wipe him aside, and I'm not saying, as I've said, I'm arguing against myself here. If you were to cast him aside for missing one game, if, if Brad Fittler was to speak to Cody this weekend and he said, mate, I almost could have played, I'll be right by Tuesday, surely missing this weekend shouldn't affect whether he was going to be picked or not, given he's played the majority of the season, played it brilliantly, yeah. just to not play one weekend. It might actually work in favour of being picked for New South Wales because he goes into the camp you know, fresh, tickety-boo, rather than getting bashed up at Cogra today. The extension of that, though, is the, the question of Luttrell and Tommy Turbo both being in sort of similar positions in terms of fitness and the amount of football fully fit that they've, they've played. So when you add Walker to that conversation, does that 
plant seeds of doubt in terms of where New South Wales are at. Yeah, uh, I, I, I go, I go round and round. Imagine if all the blokes and all the women who spent all the hours this week debating the New South Wales lineup actually turned their attention and conversation to solving world problems. Man, what a place <laughs> the planet would be. No, we would have solved some problems. No, mate, they just put Billy Slater in The, the Ukraine <laughs> conflict would be over. Let's send, him, let's send him to the Ukraine. There'd be no Billy climate Slater problems at all. Out. We would have dealt with, you know, famine and, and wars. But it'll be all solved. It is. I, it, I think... It's fantastic, though, it's, isn't it? It is fantastic. <laughs> where, where, do we, where do we stand on Latrell? That's what I want to ask, because to me, he's in that rare rare handful of players that if he hadn't played for six weeks you'd probably and he was fit to play this game you might throw him in there but let's face it Latrell's not that type of guy he's a guy that at the start of every season plays himself into football shape if he's not that sort of guy that's just always primed and ready to go and, he, and he seems to need he seems to need he's just a guy that once he gets going I mean irresistible form he's just unstoppable but he does seem after little stints away to need a bit of a a run in. Am I wrong? Oh, I, think, well, I think he's typically a guy that, compared to some other superstars, usually benefits from footy going in and having not played any. So it's more of a let's, let's underline your fact. He last played May 19. Origin is June 21. So he wouldn't have played for more than a month. Yeah. And, and he's a sort of power player, big body power player, who has shown us that he needs a couple of gallops to get back to that brilliant form. And let's face it, he's not going into a club game He's going into a cauldron with the series on the line, and it'll be an up-tempo. You know, it'll be it's the it's the most ferocious rugby league theatre there is. I, I think I side with you. I think I almost say I don't know. But then the series on the line. His next factor play is brilliant. I'm doing a lot of fence sitting today, not, aren't oh, I? Yeah, he is, but he's not playing fullback. And usually when you talk about yeah. when he's come back from injury, that's the play, and he's played fullback for the most part for the recent years yeah. at club level. That is the most physically demanding position on the field, so you might that you usually do need to play yourself into shape in that position. Playing in the centres... OK, maybe, so maybe not. I'm picking him. Are you picking him? I'm picking him. Baz? Yeah, well, I was going to launch a counter-argument as who's the one player Queensland don't want to face, and exactly. it's Latrell Mitchell, yeah, so I'm, I'm picking him. I'm oh, picking everything him. said, I'm picking Right, him. right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That's, right send that. Can you text Freddie? <laughs> text Freddie now. Get it, well, get it, I just think they have to throw did as we, many weapons as they can. Did we sort out a halfback? If you pick him, then you pick Cody Walker. Right. So you pick Cody Nick, Walker, Nico you Hines, pick Adam Reynolds. Nico Hines, <laughs> Jerome Luai, uh, Latrell Mitchell. Yeah, yes. okay. Yeah, Tommy yeah. Turbo, yes. Yeah, after last night, yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we've just solved the world's okay. problems. There you Fantastic. go, boys. We, we haven't started on the forward pack. We've got Hudson Young, he's Cam Murray fit. We haven't even got him. Yeah. Vladimir Putin, boys. <laughs> yes. well, if he was playing for New South Wales, they would win. In Russia, they'd win 100 nil. Well, come on, let's turn it to the warm and fuzzies. Last <laughs> night it was meant to be a great tribute to Jared Croker, 300 games, and probably one of the most celebrated 300 games. Given the injury worries, Ricky Stewart turned to him and said, mate, you might be right just hanging him up here, and for him to fight back to get to 300 games, it was uh, he was super emotional coming out on the field, but it wasn't to be the Warriors. They knew how to uh, shoot Bambi there last night down in Canberra. Let's listen to a moment of the action. Dearly love six more here. Johnson, he put plenty on this, but Teddy Zalesniak! You see it, but you can't believe it! Looked like he put a little bit too much on it, but it was pinpoint. Lesniak, look at that for a take. You won't see anything better than that. Look at oh, that. Oh, come on. Unbelievable. 
And it was interesting, we were talking uh, before we came on air, that you had the great stat there last night about the number of players who have played 300 games, but the lack of success in that milestone game, Matty Russell. I found this stunning. So there's been now 18 players to raise 300 games at one club. What that says to me is that that club that week gets swept up in their club legend and, and wants to celebrate accordingly. But of those 18 now, only six have won. So 33% strike rate. When you think it should be the other way around, right? The club desperate to, to celebrate their club legend and that milestone, the rare milestone it is. But I reckon that the opposition gets up expecting that their, their team they're playing to be really, really good. And maybe the emotion and the occasion and the week spent celebrating uh, just gets to the team that is trying to mark that occasion appropriately. But I will say, um, I thought... I reckon the 48th player to reach the 300 club, Jared Croker, I think that has been celebrated better than any of the previous 47. I think the way that Canberra did it and the way that they just marked a champion of the game has set the bar now Mm. and and has gone past any of the previous 47 without being disparaging towards those players and their milestones. I think the club, the Raiders, just did it better than anyone ever has. To to be fair, they had the extra week to plan it because they they gave you the week I I, I put that into the bundle, though. I put that in there. (laughs) I think even the planning to say, have a rest, we'll do it our way. Uh, And I know there are critics to that, and I know it could have gone pear-shaped, but that's I'm all on board with that. It was funny because he compared it in the press conference, Matty, and I know you were there, I had to listen in this morning. Not like for like, but he, he half compared it to grand final week mm. about how you've got to enjoy the week. And I think what what those stats you pointed to, point to Matty, is that it might be a little bit like that. It's it's in, it's not the same, but it's in the same ballpark as far as the week that you that you navigate can be a bit emotional. He spoke so much about the week he'd had, and I think that's where you talk about setting a benchmark, Matty. Those stats you say just illustrate the fact you can never guarantee a result in the NRL, no matter who you're playing, you can just never guarantee a result, but what you can control is the week leading in, and Canberra nailed that, so even without the loss, he said he'll, he'll probably, the result will probably whittle away in his memory, but that week and the way they celebrate it won't, I think that's where they've set a, a standard, if you make the week as good as it can possibly be, celebrate that player through that time, go out there and see what the result is, but it doesn't hinge on whether you get the win or loss in that 300. I love what Ricky said afterwards. And and you've got to remember, Canberra is a club that it's not the sexiest location across the NRL, right? So you need reasons to hook players. And Ricky Stewart said afterwards, I would rather have celebrated like we did and lost the game than got the week wrong and for Jared and won the game. And he said every player, and he said 31 to 49, so the, the fringe players at Canberra, and I included in that the players who might think of going there in future years, Ricky said they now know that if you come here and buy into the club, we will love you and we will treat you like that. And I thought it was a really good sales pitch because the Raiders need everything they can get their way when it comes to luring players, keeping players, and the way they celebrated Jared Croker, um, you'd have to be a moron to think that if you go to Canberra and invest in the club, you're not going to get something out of it. Enormous credit, though, to the Warriors. They were outstanding, particularly in that first half, just defensively the way they kept turning Brilliant. Ca- Canberra Brilliant. away. They're now embedded in the top eight, and you have every reason to think they will stay there. We're going to go to our first break because I want to come back. We're going to Now we've answered all the origin questions. We mm. can come back and talk about St. George Illawarra's issues. Oh, there's a new player in town Wollongong City GWM Havel Visit them for a test drive today You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong On SEN Track There's a new player in town 
Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. So, which St. George Illawarra, which coach do they need, boys? This is the second of our big questions here on Saturdays in the Gong, live from Wollongong Golf Club. Shane Flanagan or Dean Young? Or, well, or have we got a bolter? I, I want to go back to... What was, who sung that song? That's where we are, that, that after the Blue Light uh, Disco days. The great Mike and the Mechanics. Mike and the Mechanics. How did you not know that? Gee, I've done, some, mm. I've done mechanics. some good work to Mike and have the you, Mechanics. Have you heard their greatest hits album? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, it's I, fantastic. So all the, the golfers, the it's all the golfers here at the Wollongong Golf Club are swooning after hearing that. That's <laughs> fantastic. That, wasn't a few of them out there need a miracle, we're, we're creating <laughs> a vibe out here at the Wollongong Golf Club. And Baz, I've got a question for you. St. George Illawarra were on the verge of offering a rookie first-year head NRL coach, a big contract to take over for four years. And so that, to me, said we are looking for a rookie coach, someone who's maybe been here before, who's got skin on the ground here, who's heavily linked. We don't care that he hasn't coached in the NRL. Jason Rolls said no, so I automatically thought, okay, Dean Young, Ben Hornby. All of a sudden, they pivot towards an experienced coach who's won a premiership, who's, who's being at the top level for a number of years, it's like a 180-degree jump, uh, Mitch. That suggests to me that, hang on, they wanted one thing one day and another thing the next. Yeah. Am I reading it right? No, it was interesting, wasn't it? He's, he's doing Chautauqua-like stuff here for Shane Flanagan. He's coming, he's coming to make a late pitch for the job. But, but uh, I'm going to call I, him that, Chautauqua. I see what you're bringing up there, Matty, but I actually thought the minute, the minute Jason Isles turned them down and that all went pear-shaped, to me, immediately, I, I swung to Shane Flanagan. I thought, this has turned in his favour because it wasn't... The Dragons were saying, yes, we want a rookie, but to the to the charge of how can you put a rookie in charge of this, they said, no, 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 we've got the right rookie. It's not just a yeah. rookie, we've got okay. the right rookie. So to then just move to another rookie, it seems like they're just going to the next one. It seems sweepstakes type stuff. So I actually thought once Jason Rolls turned them down, they were moving toward the experienced coach. It was... The reports conflict over Rosie turning them down. You hear that they weren't willing, the club weren't willing to give him everything he wanted in order to, to take the rebuild. You'll hear that he was eventually, you know, turned off by the, the enormity of the task of the rebuild. But by going through that process, the Dragons were able to, I guess, see what would go into everything that would go into putting a rookie in that role. They got to see how fans would respond to a rookie. They, It was almost like it was a big test case. And I think from that, and everything we learned from that process, to me, it, I'm not saying I would just pick Shane Flanagan, but to me, the I thought the discussion and everything pointed towards his appointment the minute Rolsey turned him down. I don't think they ever viewed Rolsey as a rookie. I know he hasn't been an NRL head coach, but having been in Craig Bellamy's system, having worked with Trent Robinson at the Roosters, having been with Eddie Jones in, in Rugby Union as well, and he has had that long apprenticeship, coupled with uh, looking at the examples of Craig Fitzgibbon, um, at the Sharks, obviously, and Cameron Seraldo at the Bulldogs. I think they packaged that up and said he's just the right man for the job. And given his local links down here, he's played for the Dragons, he's had business interests, his family lives down here. So I think it was a huge decision for uh, Rolsey to basically turn around and say, no, I'm not taking that, because I think he looked at it and said, this is what I want, 
but it wasn't presented to me in the way that I wanted. The Dragons just couldn't pull themselves together enough to say, yep, we're going to commit to this, this and this. This is how it's going to be done. They, you know, quibbled. They worked on a few things. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll sort this out. And in the meantime... The storm came in with a hard sell, and why wouldn't you go and work with Craig Bellamy again? You mentioned Flano as being Chautauqua. Is he at Winks odds, though, Mitch? When do you expect this appointment to be formalised, and, and what price is Flano? And if he does come in, will he assume the reins immediately, or does Ryan Carr see out the season? I've got a lot of questions. You might be able to answer them. Oh, well, I don't know if I can answer them, Matty, but it's <laughs> interesting. I think, if they, I think part of, as I spoke about, part of what's become Shane Flanagan's appeal is... Uh, there won't be all that. He's a guy, he's experienced, he's familiar with the club, he's worked there in list management, he's been an assistant. He's a guy that you can literally just toss him the keys. You can toss him the keys on Monday and off he goes. You put it all in his hands. You don't need to promise the four or five years that Jason Riles probably needed as a safety net. You could probably hold Flano to some standards within two years and say, all right, well, what have you done? He'll back himself. He made a very public pitch uh, recently, which is, tells you how much the power dynamic had swung, uh, you know, and I, I see why he's coming from. I don't want to go through a formal interview process. You know exactly what I bring. Yeah. So I'm not going to go down there. I'm not going to prostrate myself in front of the board and ask for forgiveness all over again. Give me the job or don't. See, straight away I hear that and think that that underlines why he's the man for the job. Well, it does exactly. But I think if it's if it happens, if it's going to happen quickly, and I think that's why they realised they spent all this time. Um, for the Royals deal to fall over. I think they've realised now time is of the essence. What's the quickest? It might not be necessarily the best sort of measure of how you want to make this decision, but I think on the back of that Royals decision, they'll want to make a, a quick one. And on that basis, that brings Flano into maybe not quite winks like odds. This is the Dragons we're talking about, Matty, but I think he's certainly uh, in front heading into the straight. Anyway. If the Flano deal fell over, how embarrassing would that be for the Dragons hierarchy to go, we, we sounded out Billy Slater and got swept aside. We were there with Jason Rolls on the verge and got swept aside. We've come to Shane Flanagan and now he's gone a different... Like, seriously, unless they nail their man soon, every time someone says no to them, they go down a bit further. They're on one knee, one arm, trying to climb off the canvas. One, one of the biggest things that still concerns me and I know people will say, well, look, they don't have to front the media. They don't They don't have to serve the media. But when Anthony Griffin was sacked, it wasn't Ryan Webb standing in front of the cameras and saying, this has happened and this is why, mm. and we're moving on, the, the chase for a coach begins. It was left to Jack DeBellin to go and talk. Now, I know it was all a bit of a muddled mess in terms of timing, but that's on the club. It's not on the players to go and do Absolutely, it. Absolutely, Baz. I was in that presser and it was, it was absurd. The players understand that. Yep. Look, let's be honest, they, they didn't put up, you know, Jade Sullivan or one of the Fianna boys. They put up some guys that have probably been around the block a couple of times and could probably handle it. But, mm. yeah, 100% right. How do you how do you put players up in that and then that, come out with a decision? It's a reflection of how the club operates. And the scramble mm. happened, didn't it? I mean, we saw later on, I guess, when people start asking that question, doing the rounds, didn't we? We saw on radio, here, there, everywhere. So they got to it eventually. But your chance to get out there and actually make the argument, get in front of that whole process... You know, they missed. And it's, it, Matty, you make up a very, very good point because, look, Dean Young's obviously in the running. You said if they can't, if Fegan doesn't work, if he if he just feels, look, I'm not going to sit here and from the jump be beholden to, to, a, to a board that has all these reservations about baggage and whatever else, mm. if, if that were to fall through, how do you hand Dean Young the job going, everyone publicly knows, mate, you were option three, four. Four. I mean, it really undermining a guy from the jump. Now, Dino's not the type of guy that would have a, personally have an ego over that type of thing. I don't think it would bother him, but 
you're, you're setting it back. You're talking about wings. Like, he'd have to be Chautauqua. If you're right back <laughs> in the field, you'd have to come from there. You're starting from a long way back if you put a, a coach in that position. It's a contender for quote slash television speak grab of the year, interviewing Jack DeBellin as Hook Griffin drives out of the background. <laughs> Where's Anthony going? Oh, I think he's probably just going to get a coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah the coffee's exactly. being sold at Ayers Rock. I think Ben Murdoch offered, yeah. I think he said, yeah, maybe a sandwich. He <laughs> maybe said, sandwich. I said, is that how bad the sandwiches are here at Dragons <laughs> HQ? You've got, to, you've got to drive out at 7.30am to get one. <laughs> I don't well, know where you were going. Bucks Cafe doesn't open until 8.30. I can tell you that for a fact. Boys, oh. we've answered some big questions in the first half hour, but the next is our favourite segment. We're going to come back after the news with Matt Russell's set of six. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturday mornings are all right here at Wollongong Golf Club. You are with Saturdays in the Gong, live on 1575am in the Illawarra, or 1170 for the first hour with us up there in Sydney, with thanks to Wollongong City, GWM Havel, and Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Now, I'll tell you what's going to be all right. Wollongong Golf Club, Wednesday, June 21. Oh, yeah. SEN will be having the new car, new Newcastle, the New South Wales Biased call, Jimmy Smith, Tim Manor, and Dragons man Moses Embai calling the game here from Wollongong Golf Club, pumping it up. A Queensland. So if they get beat, can we throw Moses in that lake over there on Wollongong Golf Club? Is that part of the deal? He might go there anyway. He's a good bloke, Moses. He won't gloat. He's a sensational fellow. And we're going to build a function around it. So we're going to have a chat and some fun on stage and we'll throw to the boys to call the footy there'll be beers and food yep. it's going to be quite the environment yeah, to watch food. New South Wales go one all yeah get on down to the golf club Wednesday June 21 for game two New South Wales trying to save the series we going skinny dipping afterwards oh, well, New South Wales win I'll tell you what I might just have to <laughs> Mate, if Queensland win I'll be skinny dipping and I'll, I'll probably won't come back, <laughs> come back. <laughs> but we need to tell listeners that we are here at the Wollongong Golf Club what about 100 metres from the golden sand and crystal clear waters of Wollongong City Beach it's, it's dead set like Maui, an hour south of Sydney. It's absolute perfection. Better than that, actually. Less swell, yeah. less swell. Can I say. <laughs> yeah. well, a bit less swell, but it's a, it's a, it's on par as a beautiful spot. Even if we, even as we strike winter, absolutely perfect. I'm here just worried about the bush Saturday turkeys, morning. though. The bush turkeys, they're multiplying. They, they're getting braver. <laughs> Not just multiplying; they're swarming. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're closing in. Smack. Is it breeding season? Like a gang ready to take you on. You talked about having a barbecue. Well, now they've just gone, all right, well, if you're taking on one of yes. us, you're taking on all of us, and they're swarming us. Well, I reckon it's breeding season. Every time we come here, they've doubled. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you want a set of six? Let's do it. Okay, this was, these were written at 1am last night when I returned home from Canberra, freezing cold. My brain didn't work, so I apologise to listeners. Uh, to this afternoon, St. George Illawarra against South Sydney. Head-to-head today, Michaeli Ravalawa against Alex Johnston. Who's the winger and who's the winger at full-time? Ravalawa v Johnston. Uh, I've interviewed 
kicker a couple of times, Matty, and there's not much that comes out, regardless, <laughs> whinging, gloating, any of it. So, but I think absolutely, I think today, yeah, Alex Johnson, he's going to get the last, last laugh there. I, I know you love your stats, Matty, but you do seem to have a lot of Alex Johnson questions. <laughs> yeah. I love AJ. He's, I love AJ. He's, he's it a stock go-to? Okay, we've okay. got five. I'll okay, we've got a set restart. It's another little question. All right. So when... Uh, he passes Ken Irvine to become the game's greatest ever try scorer. Should we make the award each year for the leading try scorer the Alex Johnston medal rather than the Ken Irvine medal? I don't, I don't think so. Leave it as Ken. Establish it. Yeah, if you look at okay. all sports everywhere, people get passed. They should make a big... They sh- it should be massive, though, what I will say before. Like, Buddy Franklin kicking that flood the pitch, stop the game... When LeBron passed Kareem, I reckon you've got to make a massive deal of that. So when he's really on, got to go hard. So stop the game, have the pitch invasion, everything. I'll start the campaign. What now. when he Bunnies fans when he when, when he equals Ken, it or passes when it? He passes Ken Irvine. He might take. Imagine that he gets to two twelve, which is Ken Irvine's mark that stood for fifty years. Mm. He might go a ten game drop scoring well, I drought. Tony Lockett. Everyone was ready for him to go against your West Coast Eagles, but they said no. Ashley McIntosh, he, he might not get there, and I think he kicked one that day. He didn't go near it. Then he came and he kicked seven goals. I think when he actually went past the one there, three hundred from memory. He shut plenty of good ones down. Ash McIntosh, <laughs> I tell you what, are we going to release a pig like um, oh yeah, like a <laughs> pluggers? Well, we what would be? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was at Redfern. There was a local resident who had a pig and used to lead it, take it like for a dog for a walk yes, down yeah. to training. Oh, Remember that? that one. Yeah, yeah. And you'd go in there, and I love the Redfern community vibe, and there'd be a local resident with a pig on a leash. And I thought, <laughs> this is a bit weird. Anyway, right, well, if, you, if you're hearing that curse sound, listeners, that's the uh, us going off the rails. Yeah, 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 exactly. that's <laughs> yeah. The bush turkey's distracting me. Go away. Okay, Broncos v Knights. Who wins the Forex Cup as player of the game? Reese Walsh, Selwyn Cobbo, Thomas Flegler, Kurt Capewell, Patrick Carrigan, Kalen Ponga, Dane Gagai. They've all wore the Maroons, and I'm making this the 4X Trophy, Broncos v Knights, player of the game. I think Walsh in form, but you've got to, that'll be a, you've brought up a very good matchup there, Ponga, mm. Walsh. There'll be a point to prove there for some, but I think just the form, the Broncos are in the ball easy, and I think Reese Walsh in a canter. Yeah, gee, I love what he did in Origin 1 too. I just thought that just took him to a whole other just level, the way he's perceived as a player too. So, yeah, I'm happy to stick with Walsh too. I'm going my man, Dane Gagai. I reckon he'll have a big game. Roosters against Penrith tonight. How many games do the Panthers win without Nathan Cleary over the next six weeks? They'll win the bye, which leaves five games. Roosters away. Cowboys away. Newcastle at home, Melbourne away, Dolphins away. So four of the five on the road, Roosters, Cowboys, Newcastle, Melbourne, Dolphins. Mitch? I think they'll really lift without him. I think they'll go close to at least three, but from maybe four or five. I reckon they'll... I reckon they'll just keep going. They're a well-oiled machine. I can't see it derailing him too much. Didn't yeah. lose a game during the Origin stretch last year, Mitch. Yeah. Not bad. Going through that, I thought maybe they might drop Melbourne along the way. Yeah. But that's why you make the early games. And, and they've proven it before. In, in previous games where they've had those couple of injuries, they've shown the system just works there at Penrith. Cogger, so, Cogger yeah. that game, Matty, I was there. Came on out of nowhere, hadn't played with it, and he was outstanding. Filling in on the run for Nathan Cleary, so I think I think they'll be okay. I reckon they win four of those five. Okay, Melbourne against Cronulla. The Sharks have lost all five games against current top eight teams. So Melbourne by how many, Baz? Oh, yeah. Gee, I. Okay, Mitch, over to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just—I was going to stump for the Sharks. That's what I was going to stump for because I just—I'm waiting for the Sharks to just hit their groove, and it might not be this week, but. You know, I think Nico Hines might have a bit of a point to prove. He would. I think. I think they'll. 
I think it'll be in that one to twelve range. But Melbourne, after the performance they're they're coming off, uh, yeah, I think Melbourne very very tight odds to win this one. But I think yeah, probably in that one to twelve. I'll say I'll say eight, Matty. Dogs v Para. Who would you rather be on Monday as the dogs play Parramatta? King Gutho, Max King, or King Chuck? <laughs> 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 Very good of you there, Matty. You're on fire. You thought one o'clock was going to be yeah. a, an impediment to what, your One questions. o'clock with a glass of red. I've come up with some gold there. So, Canterbury, Parramatta, uh, the King's birthday. Who has the biggest game or the best day? Uh, King Gutho, Max King or King Charles? I'm going to stick with my man, Max Max King. I, I just I think the dogs like this game on a, on a Monday, on a, on a long weekend Monday. I think they've got a win in them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with him. King Gutho for me. You know who I reckon? I think they need a lift from someone. I think he'll be the guy. Okay. I reckon King Charles has the best days. Yeah. He's going to put it on in the big screen in the palace. He's got all those maids and servants to bring him a couple of coldies and some sandwiches. He'll sit back and watch Canterbury against Parramatta on Monday like and love place, it. Actually. Absolutely. <laughs> well, he was bored at his own coronation, so, you know, you <laughs> exactly. might think he might enjoy the footy. You just see him checking some scores, couldn't you, on his phone? Yeah. We, we've, come, we've come off our own line really well. <laughs> uh, final play, so let's get a good kick away. Origin teams on Tuesday. Uh, New South Wales, we know, will have no Cleary, no Coruscant. How many new faces are there in total for New South Wales, game two compared with game one? Oh, I'm trying to do the maths in my head, Matty, quickly. No, don't do that. There'll be two, and I think there'll be... I, th- I think there might be up to five. Five? I think there'll be some change. We didn't get to, to Hudson Young to be the Pangai, or so, with the injury, yeah. so I think we could have a... You know, Liam Martin starts on that left edge, doesn't he? Hudson Young, Tavita Pangai Jr. might drop out. Mm. Liam Martin was outstanding in game one. And then we go back to what we spoke about in the first half hour, so three. Yeah, our switched on was Grant Atkins, referee in Canberra last night. There was a bit of a melee, a fracas, and, and Hudson Young was in there. And Grant said, ran in and said... Hudson, you've got a lot to lose. Go away. <laughs> and I thought, geez, that's a good line. I think he'll be gone. Yeah. yeah. Right, there you go. Set of six. Warm up your swinging arm, boys, because we're going to go to a break and come back with Bang the Goal. Oh, beautiful. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Oh, bang the gong for the first time listeners. We every week talk about issues, dramas or pats on the back. Or anything that's happening around the Illawarra region. And we bang the gong. So boys, what have we found during the week? What's hit you? I'm going with a, with a pat on the back or a go well tonight. In Perth, Justin Van Heerden out of freestyle MMA. Trains out there with uh, the great Alexander Volkanovsky under Joe Lopez. Uh, he's there, he's defending his eternal featherweight strap, so the, the, the premier promotion in Australia, effectively a, a, an Australian title. He strung four wins on the trot in the calendar year last year. A win here might just probably maybe get him over that UFC hump for that September card. Uh, so he's defending his strap. Justin Van Heerden, I'm going to bang the gong on him. We're going to back him all the way. He's one of our own. 
Fantastic, I love it. Yeah, I've had too many dramas, setbacks this week, Baz, to go negative. I'm going to go positive. I'm going to try and find something good out of the week. I took the sun down for a surf here, Wollongong City Beach. The water was so nice, I thought I'm going to jump in. It was fantastic. Mm. About 18, 19 degrees. And just because it's winter doesn't mean you can't go to the beach like today. Not a cloud in the sky. I urge people to get out of your lounge room, leave the heater behind, come down and have a swim. It will invigorate you. The water temperature is fantastic. I did, however swim into one of those jellyfish, and they, they sting. Ooh, they yeah. bloody sting. Are you banging the gong on the ocean? On, on the ocean? <laughs> on the, no, only the Wollongong ocean. ocean. The Wollongong yeah. ocean. And I suppose <laughs> the that, the that's the positive. The negative is the jelly. Where'd the jellyfish come from? And why do they sting? Anyway, that was a little negative. Despite that, I still had a good swim, and you should swim in winter. I didn't think we'd land on jellyfish this morning. <laughs> um, I'm going to go negative, boys. I'm just going to come off the long run. Talking about uh, Wollongong apartment buildings and the Shell Harbour housing developments down there. Oh, there were yes. 244 complaints to fair trading this year about construction work in the Warra. Now, I know that there's plenty also up there in Sydney, so I know our listeners up there can relate to plenty of construction problems. There's issues with contractors and subcontractors, just, you know, dodgy tile laying, carpet laying, just all sorts of things, you know, water getting inside walls and inside ceilings. There has to be a complete revamp of how the whole system works there. So it's a negative bang the gong. I'm talking about the construction in- industry down here. Oh, wow. We're going deep. As close to four corners exactly. as I'll ever get. Well, I think Illawarra's northern suburbs have a bigger issue than the gong when it comes to dodgy building. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it's, it's just it's such a big structural thing now. It's yeah. an enormous issue has been highlighted in the Illawarra Mercury this week. Boys, we've got a couple of minutes before we go to the break, so let's go back to where the Dragons are at. I mean, in terms of finals, it's, it's a write-off pretty much now, but it's still an important game, I think, against South this afternoon. Just with that little niggling thing around back going back to the Charity Shield, where they just dropped their bundle in that first half, and to me, that was kind of the beginning and the end for Anthony Griffin. What's your thoughts about the game? Yeah, I... Just... Oh, they had that loss against the Dolphins and they, and they were poor and they were disjointed and, and everything else. The, the penalties there is ill-disciplined. But I, I don't necessarily... I think in this block under Ryan Carr, I don't think they've been travelling that awful. They had that win over the Roosters. They were right in They were right in that match against Penrith and there was that howler, one of the worst I've seen in a long time there, you know, with Matty Fiona supposedly knocking mm. on in the direction of his own dead ball line. So they were in that game. That was a pivotal call there against the, you know, the reigning premiers out there at Penrith, albeit one a little bit reeling from that Nate Cleary injury. But I don't think they've been playing that awful under Ryan Carr. Uh, so I think they're going to make a pretty good account of themselves today. But I, I just think South, they have too much. Even without Latrell, even without Cody Walker, I, even without Cam Murray, I just think they're going to have too much. Kian Kalamatungi wants to push an origin claim. You've got Cookie there. Uh, and in some of the defence they've had through the middle, I think he's the one who can really have a field day. He wants to put the exclamation point on that return to, to origin. And to me, he's the guy that could really uh, cut them to ribbons today. So I, I, I can't see the Dragons getting a victory this afternoon. I think the Rabbitohs will get there comfortably. I just got a text from Wayne Bennett saying, Matty missed you in the media conference last night. Thanks for not mentioning the Dolphins so far. We haven't mentioned Manly. <laughs> well, <laughs> we haven't I, mentioned Manly against the Dolphins. I must admit, bugger no. the Dragons. They're yet to play. What about Manly, the Sea Eagles? Well, knowing I had radio up and early this morning, I went to bed at half time. So that sort of shows you the state of play you of the good. game there. It was a good call. Ruben Garrick good flying. Call. He's a South Coast yeah, player. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yep, yep. Australian schoolboys back row at turn wing. Yep, yep. 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 Another one that got away from the Red V. Well, yeah. And Reese Robson, another one. He's talked, being talked about for Origin. Absolutely. Well, 
they obviously let him go because they had Cam McGuinness, and then they moved Cam McGuinness on as well. <laughs> so oh, we're going to go down a wormhole if we start going about that. But the, the Dolphins were ordinary, weren't they? I was really surprised just because of how undolphin-like the performance was. They, yeah. they really built it on being gritty, on not beating themselves. And last night they just didn't turn up defensively. They were dead set awful. So they've got a, a reset button to hit. But know, didn't Wayne seem relaxed afterwards though in the oh, media I, I conference? Think he handles it the best. Yeah, They're probably yeah. well. I think he knows the wheels haven't come off the whole bar. So I just think yeah, they had a flat yeah. tire. But, he'll inflate it again and off they go. But they have dropped out of the top eight now. So you know, in terms of that scramble later on, that game was important. Look, stick with us. We're going to head to a break. Plenty more to come. Saturdays in the Gong. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yeah, thanks for joining us this morning on Saturdays in the Gong. We're going to have plenty coming up in the second hour. We're going to be talking uh, tennis. Shell Harbour's own Ellen Perez went down in the semi-final of the Women's French Open last night, but a fantastic comp- campaign all the same. We have plenty of football chat, Illawarra Rugby League, Group 7, uh, maybe a bit of racing. We might find a tip or two along the way. How did last week's tip go, Timothy? Oh, badly, still coming. Mm. I've had a bad run, actually, yeah, particularly in, in my public tips. I've... You know, you put a tip or two out there and then you find a winner later. So you might not have had a bad day. So his public, public tips public are bad. Tips. I know. Private are good. I know, I know. <laughs> the very it's not as bad as it should sound, is it? it is. That's awful, Tim. You can't have that. Let, let me find something today. You can't have that. You're public and private. Oh, yeah, that hunter in the back. No, but I'm, I'm only given awful. one. I'm only given a best. <laughs> no, there's there's two or three others that we can Switching the app off, reaching for the dial. I'm going over to 2SM. Now, we've had a big, big hour of rugby league. Matty Russell, you've had a big weekend of rugby league. You were down in Canberra for the Raiders Warriors tonight. What's yeah. on your menu today? Great performance by the Warriors last night. Some real resilience. Starting with the New South Wales Cup today at Cogra. Big day on Fox League again. This game's interesting because the Rabbitohs, we get to see their depth a little bit, which is going to be tested over the next few weeks, you'd imagine. Davy Moala makes a return. Liam Knight is there in the front row as well. This youngster, Talos Duncan, continues to impress me, a ball-playing middle forward. So plenty of Rabbitohs to watch. And for the Dragons, Mitch, this um, sibling element to the Dragons is on show today with the Finau brothers in the New South Wales Cup lineup. Half the Fianna combination, the Couchman twins are there. And from a club perspective, you throw in the Molo brothers and the McGregor sisters, it's very much the family club, the Dragons, isn't it, when you go through the grades? Coming to family club, my uh, Mercury colleague... Agra Latifi had a chat to Michael Mullo this week about how much fun he's having playing with Frank and everything else. So it's always great to see. We love that wherever it happens. And after that, Baz, over to Allianz Stadium for Roosters-Panthers tonight. Only a month ago, the Panthers put 48 on the Roosters. How many do they score against the Bondi boys this evening? No, but it's it's a cracker just without Cleary. Obviously, you know, Penrith will want to keep stringing the wins. But the Roosters, this is a time to stand up and be counted. So, yeah, it'll be a cracker there tonight. Well, stick with us. Plenty more to come in the second hour. I might even find a winner along the way. <laughs> Saturday's Private in the or goal. public bets, let's see. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today.
Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEM Track. I said, do you speak my language? He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. He said, I come from a land of Another old uh, karaoke favourite just to uh, kick us along on a Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us again. 15.75am, SEN track Illawarra, or on the app or the website. It's Illawarra Mercury's Tim Barrow and Mitch Jennings. We've let Fox Sports Matty Russell head off to Sydney to go and cover the games this afternoon, so make sure you tune into Fox this afternoon. An absolute feast of footy action. We're going to turn to tennis. Mitch, uh, Mitch have you been uh, paying much attention to the, the French Open, mate? A little bit along the way, yeah. a little bit along the way, and certainly on uh, yeah, our own Ellen Perez and her run into the into the semi-finals last night. So yeah, it, it sneaks up on you, the French. You always hear the build-up for all the other stuff. The French all of a sudden is happening, and you you usually pick it up a bit later on. But yeah, I have yeah. been a little bit. Yeah, I think the Aussies have that bit of affinity with Wimbledon, don't they, over the years? So it's sort of like you know love the French Open and then you sort of love going towards Wimbledon as well but I think it's the years been... you'd, be, you'd be bored because you wouldn't even bother with the men's because Rafa was just Rafa just dominates every <laughs> week <laughs> yeah yeah which interesting to see Novak Djokovic he just keeps getting it done as well there last yeah. night so yeah. into another final well this morning so Ellen Perez Shell Harbour's own uh, was in the French Open women's double semis with American Nicole Melichar Martinez they were the six seeds and they went down to say and Wang was six two three uh six two three six six three. But on the line this morning we have a very proud mum, Mitz Perez. A final wasn't to be, but it's been a fantastic comp- campaign. Hi, good morning, morning Tim and Mitch. How are you? No, fantastic. It's a pleasure to have you on board this morning. I spoke to you a couple of days ago and said, well, you know, would you be happy to come on board, not knowing whether you'd have a, a final to be talking about or not? It, it wasn't to be overnight, but, um, gee, they're having some success as a, a partnership in the in the doubles, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. No, they've been doing really well. And, and going into the, um, into the tournament, Ellen hadn't set any expectations of herself because last French Open, um, unfortunately, they were knocked down in the first round. So she wasn't sort of going to, you know, think too much of it and just let her game, you know, just do the talking, I guess. And, and thankfully it got her to the semis, which has been, um, yeah, an, an amazing achievement. But it's something that we always felt that she could actually get to. So, um, yeah, we're, we're very proud indeed. And, and we watched the match. And, look, yeah, disappointed that she didn't get the win. And, you know, when they got that second set, I thought, you know, oh, this is fantastic. But... You know, Sue A and Wang were just were really were just too good on the day. They they didn't make as many unforced errors as we did. Um, and Sue A at that net is just unbelievable. Um, very crafty, very unorthodox player. You really just can't pick how she's going to play. Um, but look, you know, how can we not be proud of such an achievement? Yeah, it, it, it's been fantastic. We had a had friends and family supporting, and it's just been wonderful. Lots of messages. So yeah, we're very grateful, and and thank you for you know to you two as well for um, supporting her. Set the scene for us. What was it like when they got the second set? Was there there plenty of uh, shouting in the Perez household last night? Oh, there was. <laughs> I warned my neighbours they'd, they'd be hearing this. So, yeah, there <laughs> they was, were probably yeah. out watching too. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, they were trying to. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't televised on live to air. So, um, yeah, a lot of people don't have, have the various streaming networks, which thankfully we did. So, Yep. 
41 unforced errors, I guess, to 20 was probably the tail of the tape in the end in terms of the match itself. But, you know, they've now had uh, multiple um, major semi-finals. Um, they've really just come together as such a, a great doubles combination. Um, she's obviously been around the, the Australian team. Um, I guess, tell us a bit about her sort of career and, and when it became a point where she thought, oh, I can really make a winner of this. Um, oh, wow. Um, well, when she was nine, oh, 18, she went over to college. They, um, there was a bit of um, chasing <laughs> with colleges wanting her. So we went, she went over to college in the US at the University of Georgia um, and... In, in Athens, uh, in Georgia. So, yeah, a lot of the development sort of started there because it is very much a team um, aspect. So, after three years there and after making or getting the wild card into the US Open, one of those years where she beat Ash Barty um, to get the wild card to play in the uh, women's set, uh, singles, it sort of sort of it really went from there because she could see that she had the ability and people sort of said to her that she had that ability to, to go uh, further. So after three years at college, she turned pro and it really just developed from there. Uh, the singles was doing well, but she started to do much better in doubles. So she really saw that as her forte and just continued with that uh, in the last year particularly. And look, there's been other successes along the way. Um, with lots of other players. Um, but, yeah, along the way, particularly last year with Nicole when they teamed up just before the French Open, it really developed from there. And towards the second half of the year, they made a lot of... They made four finals of, you know, what they call the 1,000 um, WTA tournaments, which is the level below the Grand Slam. And, unfortunately, they didn't get the wins, but they, throughout the year, they beat the world number ones, which were... Kova and Krejcikova, who were the Olympic champions that year and also Wimbledon and I think Oz Open, if I remember correctly. But then they were beat the number two. So along the way, they really um, proved themselves to be a formidable pair. So, yeah, and it's just continued. And, yeah, it, it's been fantastic to watch because we, yeah, we've always felt that this was something and a level that she could achieve. Mitz, I'm curious to know, as you said, obviously became sort of becoming a bit of a, you know, into that, that doubles world and obviously a US Open semi-final as well. It's been, it seems like a match made in heaven. Can you give us an insight into what goes into, I guess, selecting a, a partner in doubles? I mean, is it something where you look and say, you know, our technical skills and attributes match up? Or is it one of those things that there's, you know, some intangibles involved? You're just not quite sure, but it just clicks when it's, it becomes that perfect match. Can you give us an, an insight into, I guess, how that, that worked out, certainly with, uh, with obviously, and on a current partner, but more generally what you're looking for when you're trying to form a, a doubles partnership? Um, I guess, uh, uh, look, there's a lot of factors. It's really availability. A lot of the players already have um, pairings and pairings that are doing quite well, so they don't really want to break that mould um, together. So it, it's who's available... It's who's doing well. Um, I guess it, it's luck at the time. You know, someone may have just come out of injury and have, have you know, getting back onto court, or someone may have just slipped from a pairing. Um, at the time, actually, she she was going to be playing with one of the other players. And what Ellen tended to be doing was trying to find singles players or successful single players that were highly ranked that sort of allowed her to get into when she wasn't as highly ranked as she is now, 
um, that might sort of get her into these tournaments and allow her to develop, but also hopefully, you know, become a good pairing that she could continue. But then a lot of the singles players sometimes do it was quite difficult because their commitment was mainly to singles. And if they were um, getting deep into a tournament, they sort of weren't as committed into their doubles. They might have pulled out, or if there was a little bit of a, a niggle with an injury, they think, oh, look, I'll, I'll put the doubles aside. I want to focus on my singles. So it was quite difficult along that way um, in the earlier years. But then she started to realise that, look, doubles is really something I'm going to have to focus on. So she started to look, like, dedicate, you know, her search for a, a doubles player. Um, and you know, Nicole at the time was available, Ellen asked her and, and it just went from there but I guess they're always seeking um, double players amongst each other because there's, the pairings always tend to change from time to time so yeah, it, it's just worked it's been, you know, it's been a good formula so far So, and you know, there's that right and left so the righty and lefty combination is always a good thing too so um, yeah, it, we're just grateful that it's really worked so far. And that, yeah, they have the... had a lot of success, so we're, we're extremely happy. <laughs> Sorry to almost cut you off there, Mitz. I did want to ask too, I mean, obviously at the Mercury, we followed Ellen's career sort of all the way through, so she's always been on our radar and we're sort of very aware of what's going on, but I think she became a, a bit of a viral sensation there through that COVID period and the the video she was um, putting out on socials, just, uh, you know, on social media about, you know, her experience in, in quarantine and everything else, and obviously that, that brought across, you know, her personality. She was very willing to, I guess, take the piss out of herself a little bit, but, you know, some others as well, but I also thought... Uh, it was a good illustration of you know the realities of what it takes to be on tour. We we look it's at demanding, the yeah. we look at all the the famous and at that time obviously the the difference in accommodations and, and quarantine facilities for you know those top players and you know the people that are on tour. That must be really cool to see. Not just you know people see her you know her personality come across and everything else, but also just the way it was able to paint a picture of you know the realities and give an insight into just how hard and how dedicated you have to be to, to make a career on the circuit. Oh, look, and we were actually waiting for every instalment because we were just laughing along the way, thinking, this is <laughs> she, she loves to take the mickey. She, I mean, you know, she's serious when she has to be, but she loves a good laugh. And, um, you know, we're just sitting back waiting, what's going to be on Insta today? What's the next instalment? So, I mean, look, yeah, definitely the jokester always will be. And, um, you know, it was just something along the way that people could see that in her and, um, you know, there's also that serious side but there was also the um, the quarantine period with Dasher and that was particularly funny as well, which I don't know, if you were a follower you would have seen it, it was quite hilarious um, uh, and yeah, so yeah, though she had some really good experiences in quarantine, probably the most, the most unfortunate one was um, she was in Dubai and she was playing the qualifying for the Australians and she was due to get on a plane back and that plane had been specially um, chartered for the players so that when they got back into Melbourne they would then go into lockdown but then they could train for five hours each day so so the quarantine was, was specific for the players and they could still train and they didn't have to be then they got returned to their hotels but Ellen had a bit of a sniffle and they said she couldn't get on the plane because they potentially thought it might have been COVID. So she was not allowed on that plane, which meant she was then in a strict 14-day lockdown as soon as she returned. She got out at about midnight the, not the morning of her play 
and so she was on Rod Laver Arena at, at you know not long after that hitting up because she she had no hitting in that two week period. Um, so she was disappointed that that you know that's how it worked out and that she couldn't get the practice to prepare herself for that match and yeah so it was it was, it was a big downer but you know what do you do they're the rules and um, you know she's moved on but yeah it was just disappointing that she didn't get the opportunity to to play as she would have liked with with the you know amount of preparation she would have needed. So admits uh, Ellen's now had a French Open semi-final this year. You've been to Wimbledon quali- uh, quarter-final last year, as well as a US Open semi-final in the doubles last year as well. Is she she looking forward to shifting onto grass? Yeah, she likes the grass. Yeah, so um, she's actually she's just well last night her match and she's got her next match I think um, this evening. Uh, so she's now in the Netherlands or heading to the Netherlands. So. Yeah, it doesn't stop. It's just continuous, so the body doesn't get to recover too much. But she's playing a singles match at, at a tournament in the Netherlands, and she'll also be playing doubles. And then I think she's got two tournaments in in Germany, and then straight to Wimbledon. Mitz, we really appreciate you coming on this morning. We've loved following Ellen's career, and there's plenty to celebrate today amongst the family, I'm sure. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a talk to us. Nah, brilliant. Great to have you. We're going to head to a break because when we come back, we're going to talk football. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Beatles classic, but also a Manchester City anthem as they chase a treble. Only the second English team they would be to do it after Manchester United did it back in 1999. I know Manchester City are a polarising club in terms of their backing and investment, but their football is phenomenal and they are this close to making the dream result. And if you haven't worked out about the tone of my voice, yes, I am a City fan. Been through some of the darker times with the club and it's great to see the development of the team where they've got to, the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, who I would love to see get a Champions League and a tall Norwegian guy called Erling Haaland who goes all right with 50-odd goals as well. Joining us to talk football this morning with Tim Barrow, myself, and Mitch Jennings is the Illawarra Mercury's football writer, Jordan Warren. Good morning, mate. Morning, boys. How are you going? That's a very good song there, Baz. Nah, mate, it's getting me pumped up. I've got another, well, it's not quite 24 <laughs> hours. It's 20 hours before kickoff, so... I can't get too excited too quickly, but are you going to put the mock on us against Inter Milan at 5am? Look, I think it's City's time. Like As much as I hate to say it being a Liverpool fan, but I think it's definitely City's time. But you've got to be wary of, of Inter Milan and the Italian teams. Obviously, they're, they're, uh, I guess they're trend in that 
Serie A league is that they, they've mastered the dark arts of football. They know how to slow the tempo down, which is exactly what, what your Pep and, and City team don't want. But I, I do think, especially after Chelsea in 2020, Baz, I think we've talked about it at length, that game and the decision that Pep made not to, make, uh, not to select a defensive midfielder against Chelsea in that game. I think that it's just all written in the stars that, that City win this and pick up the treble. Yeah, they have to go and do it. You can't disrespect Inter Milan. They're going to be a really, really tough prospect. I just... The first half against Real Madrid was absolutely breathtaking. It was like nothing I've ever seen watching a sky blue shirt before. And I've seen some pretty ordinary football over the years too in a sky blue shirt. But, um, you know, just the way... Are you talking City or are you talking Origin there? Oh, City, (laughs) Origin, um, any junior football I played. uh, Yeah, there's plenty there. I mean... Made it. Uh, it was yeah. It was a wonderful forty-five minutes of football, and it just showed that they're a team on a mission. Yeah, look, I, I completely agree, Baz, and it would have been pretty phenomenal for you. Obviously, you were mentioning in the intro just about the, the times you've been through watching watching um, Manchester City sort of in the Division Twos and and stuff like that. To see them absolutely dominate Real Madrid in a in a semi final would have been something to behold. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that the football that City are playing, they're they're clearly the best team not just in Europe, but also in the world. And, and you mentioned earlier as well, like obviously having Haaland is a bit of a cheat code up front and, and also Kevin De Bruyne, he's just the passes that he picks out in that midfield and, and connects with Haaland is just phenomenal. But yeah, I, I think that, um, that City will go into this game and, and absolutely blow Inter off the park in terms of their football. But it's just a matter of if, you know, if the game stays nil all into halftime, into the 60th minute, into the 75th minute, then does that sort of bring into my line back into the game and, and they grow in confidence. So I think that the key is, a, is an early couple of goals in that first half. Yeah, if they can get an early one, they can put it on their terms. And Kevin De Bruyne suffered the fractured eye socket in the uh, final against Chelsea a couple of years ago there. So it would be a fitting way for him to turn it around. Well, enough of my shameless self-indulgence, boys. Let's get to the local stuff. Speaking of form, the Wollongong Wolves, they've found a bit of form themselves. Yeah, I was at the game last night. They beat MacArthur Bulls 2-0. It's actually a really interesting start. They've, they've gone six home games unbeaten, and they've also gone six home games with a clean sheet. Um, earlier in the week, Walter Scott, the left-back at the Wolves, spoke about he wanted to make... His, he want, his team wanted to make Wynn Stadium and Albert Butler Memorial Park a bit of a fortress. A bit of a tough place to come for Sydney teams. They play a lot of their games on Friday night, so these Sydney, these Sydney players have to... Uh, go to work on Friday and then come down the highway to play at Wynn Stadium. Obviously a phenomenal ground, but they wanted to make it hard for the Bulls last night, and they did. And, and the Bulls had a lot of the ball, but the, the Wolves were just uh, you know lethal when they got the ball uh, on their feet. And a couple of goals to Lockie Scott, the captain, was enough to see them home. But yeah, the Wolves, have, they have found some form. It's been a season full of inconsistencies. Obviously last week against Marconi, who was second on the ladder, they they held them. They actually they actually played very well. They didn't just hold them. They actually probably deserved the win. But of course, they conceded a goal in the 88th minute just to a, a defensive mistake, and, and that was that. But um, they're getting some wins, and it'll be important that home form coming into the back end of the season. We've got something like 11 games to go now for the Wolves, and of course, this season being different, uh, trying to merge with with the uh, potential national second tier that's coming just around the corner. There's 30 games with with just the minor premiership, the first the first past the post. Uh, is the champions no finals, but there is relegation. And, and not that I ever thought that the Wolves would be, or anyone ever thought that the Wolves would be in a relegation battle this season. They were 11 points off the Bulls who sit bottom of the ladder last night. And with that win, they just pushed themselves a little bit further away from that, that last and second last spot. So it was a, a really good win for David Carney's side. 
Yeah, it's great to see they've found a bit of form. I mean, it's a difficult season when you're not necessarily in that title contention, but you just talk about being able to uh, put back-to-back results uh, there at home and just make life really difficult. Just shows that they're playing with a lot of pride through the middle of the season. Well, let's turn to the IPL. Uh, what have you found this weekend? Obviously, Albion Park White Eagles have been the season pace setters. Yeah, well, this week for the IPL, it's uh, obviously with the June long weekend, the King's birthday. It's um, just the dedicated uh, washout round for the IPL. So there's one game that, that hasn't been played this season. So that's the one game that's happening this weekend. It's the Cringilla against Wollongong United, the Macedonian derby. So it's a massive one. It's on Sunday at Crean Park. Uh, it's a pretty intriguing contest in the fact that a lot of the Cringilla players, they've got a, a pretty young squad and, and both teams are up there on the ladder. I believe it's United second, Cringilla third. I could be wrong, but it's, they're definitely up there. And, uh, in terms of the actual personnel, a lot of the Cringilla players used to be United players, and even George Damasos, the Cringilla coach, used to be at Wollongong United. He sort of learned his trade at United. So it's a bit of the the, uh, the master against the apprentice sort of thing in terms of that. But uh, even United have got a number of youngsters that have been firing this season. Of course, United won the league championship last year and lost the grand final, but they had a sensational year, and they lost a, a couple of really, like, their key players from last season in Mason Versi and Klimi Sekolowski. So... Uh, in the off-season, there was a lot of work for, for Billy Stovelos to do, but what he's done is just bring in his, his youngsters, Kai Jovanovski, players like Josh Correa, Renny Vestia, these, these young kids that have come in, and they've really reshaped the way that, that United have, have sort of gone about their business, and, and it'll be a fascinating contest on the weekend, and it'll just be two young sides that are flexing their muscles so far in the IPL season. Of course, uh, Baz, like you mentioned, Albion Parker, uh, nine points ahead of the ahead of the pack at the top, so they've been absolutely dominant. But the battle for second, second and third is, is really heating up, and there's a, a number of teams that are vying for that top five, those top five positions. I think uh, there's something like only eight points between between second and and maybe eighth or ninth. So it's going to be really tight coming into the back end of the IPL season. But yeah, this game on Sunday, it's the only game of the of the round, the sole the sole game of the IPL this week. So I imagine it'll be a bumper crowd at Cranham Park and. Just being a Macedonian derby, it'll be a big game on its own. So, yeah, it could be a real, a real fascinating contest, that one. And can't let you go, mate, without talking about Joel King and getting called up for the Socceroos heading into the friendly against world champions Argentina. Yeah, it was well done from, from Shellard with Joel King. Obviously, he was in the, the World Cup squad and, and didn't see a minute but uh, in that competition. But um, he's clearly rated by, by Coach Graham Arnold. Of course, he was sort of came into the Sydney FC set up just after Arnie left in that in that phenomenal era and he, and he learned his trade, uh, Joel did under Steve Corica, the current Sydney FC uh, boss, but um, he's um, gone overseas, Joel, and, and struggled for minutes in Denmark with his club and, and he came back to Sydney FC this season online. Uh, he, he did struggle again with Sydney FC a little bit. I, I sort of, it, you wonder where, he, where, he's, where his game is at. He probably needs to, to come back to a league like the A-League or, or anywhere else and just get minutes. He's obviously still young, 23, 24, um, and he sort of, coming into that point of his career where it's becoming make or break. So I think that this call-up to the Argentina squad shows that he's still very highly rated by, by Arnold and hopefully he gets on the field and gets to defend uh, Lionel Messi and, of course, new Liverpool signing this week. I've got to mention it uh, on this show, Alexis McAllister and, you know, players like De Maria and, and Man City's Julian Alvarez. So, uh, yeah, Joel will be, uh, if he's on the pitch, he'll be up against it against those type of players, the world champions, of course. Great signing, uh, McAllister, for Liverpool. And hopefully Julian Alvarez will have 
a medal around his neck. I don't know whether you've seen Gino, but if you look at a photo of Julian Alvarez and Jordan Warren, they just about absolute doppelgangers. Thanks for all that. Thanks for coming on board this morning, mate. We'll uh, we'll let you go. We're going to come back talking with Mitch Jennings, Bar TV commentary partner in crime, Johnny Pett, about the Illawarra Rugby League. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. A picture-perfect Saturday morning here at Wollongong Golf Club. You're with Saturdays in the Gong, live on 1575 AN, or the app, or the website. Gee, the app's an absolute thing of beauty. Thanks to uh, Wollongong City, GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Also, Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Head to impactgaragedoors.com.au to check them out. We're going to get out our marker pens now because... Illawarra Mercury's Mitch Jennings, who's sitting next to me, and his Bar TV colleague. They do all the commentary for the Illawarra Rugby League. Johnny Pett joins us on the line. We're at the halfway point of the Illawarra Rugby League competition. Now, there's no games this weekend, boys. Obviously, the King's birthday. We can all put the feet up, but West's Devils lead the way at the top of the competition. What do we make of it so far, Johnny? Yeah, hey, boys. Yeah, it's been a pretty interesting season this year. Um, look, we had the emergence of Sila, who are into the competition for the second year running and to me they've been a bit of a surprise packet they they fell into the semi-finals last year coming fourth but they've really been the front runners this year but you, you touched on western suburbs um i think they're potentially going to be there at the pointy end of the season the depth of their squad is absolutely unbelievable we watched them play a game a couple of weeks ago and mitch and myself both we, we really wrote them off for the game just with the amount of injuries they had but they produce some really good rugby league and it just showed that the depth of this Western Suburbs squad, um, every other team's got to stand up and take notice of it. It was interesting, Johnny, if we go back to our last start, it was obviously Theroux and, and De La Salle and if we, we want to call them a bit of a big four up there with West obviously setting the pace at the moment, but De La Salle, Collegians, Theroux, you know, your usual suspects, but Theroux, uh, they were the one that we thought was, was off the pace and perhaps, you know, not signalling their demise, but we thought they just might be a hair or two off those top teams, but uh, they came out at Gibbo and uh, it was the rule of old, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was, and look, I think each week, you know, you and myself, we have a chat on, on the podcast on Grandstanders and we talk about the emergence of one of these teams, just thinking, geez, they've had a good, a good week of rugby league at you sort of looked at this Thoreau side at the start of the year and we, we touched on Brad Dietz coming into the side, Jared Boyle, you know, he's been such a stand-in in the competition over a few years. He went away from the Illawarra League, back with Thoreau. We thought that this Thoreau side was just going to come out all guns blazing from round one, but they've been the slow starters and on the weekend up against Dila, they really showed the Thoreau of old and it was good for them to do it, especially at Gibson Park. It, it really put the competition on notice that the Butchers aren't you know, just the fourth place or fifth place team, they're really going to stamp their authority in this competition. Isn't it interesting, Johnny, because you mentioned Western Suburbs, and for me, they're at the top of the ladder, obviously they are at the top of the ladder, and for me, they were probably my pick at the start of the year, they're probably my pick for the title at this point as well, but 
what's interesting is if we talk about signature wins, you spoke about there, about how, you know, every week there seems to be a team that lays down a, a marker. Obviously, De La Salle had that huge win over Collegians here at Magic Round. Collegians had a massive win over Thrall at, at Collies. And obviously on the week, weekend just gone, uh, Thrall over De La Salle. It's interesting that uh, out of all that, that pack, the Devils are, are the team probably without that that huge win, that signature win, where you go, all right, they've clicked into gear, but they've managed to to navigate this early part of the season uh, without a loss. So they're on top and they're, they're leading the pack without really hitting their straps. Are they the team to beat as far as you're concerned? Look, at the moment, I think they are, Mitch. I really think that this Western Suburbs side, as you said, they're top of the table. They're undefeated. They've had that draw against Dealer. But the wins that they've had, they've been gritty wins. They've had to come from behind for a few of those wins. They're... They're obviously at the top of the table for a reason. I think that reason is what I touched on, the depth of the squad. I mean, you talk to a few of their players, and I was chatting to only Zach Lay the other day in regards to th their performances this season, and he said, we haven't really had a good standout win. He said, when it all clicks, it's going to click really well. So I think that for every other team that's sort of sitting second, third, and fourth, they're waiting for this Western Suburbs team, team to click. It's interesting, you and you and bloody Zach Blay. I don't know how you get any work done. The amount of footy you guys talk on, mate, things must just grind to a halt there in the minds the way you guys talk. But uh, I want to. It's interesting, Johnny. We've spoken about it quite often. The everyone guns for that that top two spot. It's always been pretty important as far as you know getting to the big dance and, and certainly winning it. But this year, what do you think about this top four race? I think. You know, I think it's absolutely... If you want to win the title this year, you've got to finish top two. I just think you need those two bites at the cherries because these these four sides, as we've touched on, it's a bit of a scissors-paper-rock situation. Would you be surprised if you could see a team go from that 3-4 spot into the finals? This year, for me, I think uh, that top two spot is absolutely vital uh, as far as winning a comp. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Mitch. I think the, the top two spots are super important this season. And... I think all, all the coaches in this competition, that's their goal to end up one and two. The, the tightness and the competitiveness of these top four sides, you put Dilar, Western Suburbs, Collegians and Thoreau, whichever team runs three or four there, they're going to be up for a hard game and they're going to have to win you know, two or three games to, to win that grand final. And I think that the team that ends up one and two, um, you're going to get the quick road in whether you, you win on week one or you're going to have to back up and do it against a three or four team the week after. But it's going to be super hard for one of these teams that finish three and four to make their way to the big dance. And Johnny, I want to do, I love doing this. It's one of my favourite things to do is to put Johnny Pet on the spot without notice. It's one of my favourite things like to do. This. It always does. But Johnny, we, we always talk about, I know you're always across this. If we had to pick, there's so many candidates every year, but if you had to pick now, if you were, if you were wrapping the Paul McGregor medal around a player's neck... Who would you be? Uh, who would you be doing that to at the moment? If we, if the season was ground to a halt, yes, I don't want to have COVID flashbacks. But if the season ground to a halt, <laughs> no, if, don't season, do that to us if again. the season ground to a halt today, who would you? Uh, who would you think would be uh, picking up that top honour? I think it's got to go to to a workhorse that's going to get points each game, and I'm going to pick two players out of the D last side, Mitch, that have been probably standouts in my mind that have really laid the foundation for their side this season. And one of theirs, their 5'8", Eli Levito, I think he's been an absolute standout. But I think a close second, and I know he's one of your favourites, I think he'd, he'd poll points each week, and that's Jackson Stewart. I think both of those have been players have been absolutely phenomenal for Dilar this season. 
Mate, I love a lunatic, and Jackson Stewart <laughs> just seems to seems to cut that mustard. There's, mate, you're right. I would not be at all surprised if it went to a number 13 this year. You throw in Jared Thompson in that mix. The the, the quality of 13s. Your your mate that we just spoke about, uh, Saw Zach Blay. Uh, there's a quality 13s going around, mate. I'm going to go. It probably won't surprise you, Johnny. I think if I had to pick one at the moment, I'd be going with the Devils seven. Justin Rodriguez played his hundredth game not that long ago, and as we've touched on, West uh, probably not hitting their straps. Probably haven't had their full complement, haven't had that big signature win, and yet they're sitting on top of the table. For me, that comes down to your seven and the way he's managed to navigate those games. So that's who I'm going with, Baz, if you're going to name it name it today. Justin Rodriguez. But I think Eli Levito that you mentioned, Johnny, would be right up thereabouts as well. But uh, it's going to be a really hot race, probably the hottest we've seen in a couple of years. Gee, I love that Jared Thompson's still going around. What a player. Absolutely. What, oh, a, player. what a player. Mate, he, he retired and he wore the blue shirt for a couple of games. And I put him down for a couple of missed tackles because he wanted to reach an arm out and stop blokes. He was never going to survive in the blue shirt. So he's, he's great to be back, Tom. A great servant of that club. Johnny, it's been great to have you on board, mate. You can put your feet up. You can have a weekend away from Jeno. You don't have to put up with him. I'll, I'll stick with him for another 20 minutes or so but uh, look forward to some more ripping calls on uh, Bar TV this season. Thanks, boys. Good to catch up with you both. Cheers, mate. Break time and we'll start to bring it home. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Righto, Mitch Jennings, I got in strife earlier for not finding enough winners on the radio and then having to (laughs) scramble later on the punt at home and go and find something that I don't get to broadcast on the radio. So I'm going to lay it on the line. Uh, sticking with Randwick to start with, benchmark 78, 1,200-metre race, race four at 12.45. I'm going to go with Iona Merck. It's something I've been following for a while. I wish I owned a Merck. Not quite up to that level. <laughs> Maybe a GWM Havel. What uh, fantastic cars they are. Uh, $3.30 mark. I think Iona Merck can get it done with the claim up against Gay Waterhouse's Caboo in that race. Uh, while I'm going, I'm a little bit gun-shy about the Stratty, the feature race up there this afternoon at Eagle Farm. But I've always liked Aft Cabin as a horse. Around the $12 mark, Sticky Gate. This might just show whether it's just a genuine sprinting Everest-type horse or whether getting out to that 1,400 metres uh, does work today. So it's a great race, an absolute cracking race. We think about it as a $2.90 favourite, but I think Aft Cabin presents some each-way value. Mitch Jennings, what do you got? I'm going, I'm going to Randwick as well, Baz. I like the Bob Charlie. I think Conscript can continue its sort of rise. It's got to jump up in class, and it's going to have to pick up four kilos there from that last start win. But uh, over the distance, it's... Three of the last three or five starts, it's been up there. Uh, I think it's uh, the way it finished last start. I think uh, that's where I'm going to go. Conscript some value there at about the four dollar forty mark. So I think it can uh, it can handle the jump in weight in class and uh, yeah, put some cash in your pocket. So that's race eight, number five, Conscript for Gerald Ryan and Sterling Alexio, eleven hundred metres. That's at three oh five. Gee, it's concerning when Geno's Jinx and Baz's best combine uh, for the same horse because I might be having a little play. Uh, there well, there you well. go, chance. There you go. Oh. This is where the public chance offer goes. It's just you watch. We'll, we'll look at the now sports bet will be out to eleven dollars. I reckon. In a quick, <laughs> the flood of bets are going to come. That, watching Saturdays in the Gong second hour. That's danger. But don't forget to stick with SEN Track for all the form, the mail, the tips throughout.
throughout the day. Uh, they do a cracking job on SEN track throughout the day. Mitch Jennings, let's stick to our lane now in terms of the Illawarra Mercury with Making the Mercury. Been another big week of news and sport coverage. What's caught your eye? Mate, what caught my eye was uh, I had a front row seat earlier this week to uh, Sammy Goodman, Wollongong's own Sammy Goodman, getting ready to fight in that IBF Eliminator on the Tim Zoo card up there on the Gold Coast on uh, tomorrow week. And uh, got an insight. Very rare, very, very rare. There's a lot of, uh, you know, curtains that get pulled when it comes to elite-level sparring. But uh, Sammy invited us in there to, to have a look at him going eight hard rounds with Isaac Dogbo, a former WBO champion. His last fight was uh, a challenge at... The featherweight belt, so uh, and he looked sharp as attack. I think he's so a star, isn't he? He absolute was absolutely star. fantastic. We uh, he's going into this fight. It'll be a tough one there uh, against uh, Race Alim. Uh, you can't prepare for this guy. I talk about elite sparring. He does everything wrong. Fundamentally, he'd, he'd give a, a pure boxing coach a heart attack. But he's 20 and 0. He's made it work for him. So there'll be no uh, replicating that in sparring. But as far as the elite level of sparring, Sammy's put himself through for this one. He's going to be absolutely primed and certainly uh, some skin in the game for us here in Wollongong because it's an IBF eliminator. It will make him the mandatory for uh, both the WBA and IBF belts. Currently held by Filipino Marlon Tapales. He picked that up in a bit of an upset win over there in the US. So without that, that huge promotional push or US fan base, it really does bring Wollongong uh, into the frame as a potential city to host uh, Sammy Goodman's maiden world title fight, which would just be fantastic. I don't know if you've ever watched a fight or seen it, the, the Seven Nation Army and the, yeah. we should call it the Sammy Goodman Army now, rename the song, <laughs> oh, Sammy Goodman. It comes through the TV screen and the thought of that lifting the roof up off here at the WEC uh, is fantastic. So yeah. everyone should probably tune in. I, I, I'm confident he'll get the job done on Sunday and then hopefully uh, Wollongong uh, hosts a world title bout down the track. Well, making the Mercury, head to illawarramercury.com.au and subscribe. There's an end of financial year offer there at the moment, which makes it nice and cheap. I'm going to go with the Stoush, the brouhaha that's happening down in Shell Harbour at the moment. The uh, Shell Harbour Suns AFL president, Steve Ashworth, this week spoke out about the want to develop the Shell Cove sports field, which has been proposed uh, at the eastern end of Harbour Boulevard near uh, Rangoon Avenue down uh, at Shell Cove there. But the issue is, is that they're now looking at a $40 million blueprint to go out to Croom Road. And I've been a big supporter of making the Croom Road development because I think it's a real opportunity for Shell Harbour to attract big state and national uh, competitions, events in, in multi-sports and really build a sporting hub, which I think this region is in absolute dire need of. But it was an interesting point that Ashworth made that they're looking for a feature ground a bit like North Dalton Park to go down to Shell Harbour. One way or the other, I think that Shell Harbour Council have to come up with a really, really firm plan of what the next 10, 15, 20 years looks like in terms of Illawarra sport and get it done because I think it'll be vital for the region. We've got one more break in us and then we'll be back to wrap it up. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
towards the finish line on Saturdays in the gong with thanks to our guests this morning, Mitz Perez, the mother of Ellen, who made it to the semi-final at the French Open women's doubles, to football expert Jordan Warren and league expert Johnny Pett, and also to the captain of the SEN track Illawarra ship, Maddie Russell and his condemnation of jellyfish this morning, Mitch Jennings. Yeah, he's going hard at jellyfish. He must have been scratching. He's scratching for a banagong when you, you know, you just pick the ocean. Yes. It's a, it's a broad sweeping brush. Oh, I'm going to pick the ocean. That's how desperate you are. That's going to get a run in Bangong every week. I hold, it can't hold a candle to the ocean, but I'm going to bang a gong on, on this. Well, to be fair, he was giving the ocean a wrap because it was nice <laughs> was won. nice and warm. Now, speaking of warm, are we getting hot in terms of a St. George Illawarra coach? You've got to think we'd be nearing it, as we said from the very top of the show, Baz. The time's of the essence now. I mean, a lot of... I'm sure the Dragons were willing to take the time it took when it looked like they were going to get Jason Riles over the line, but the fact that that obviously fell through late uh, May time, you know, of the essence. Uh, I think everyone's wary now, certainly people in our business, Baz, wary of uh, jumping the gun and, and declaring anyone, just given that Riles was pretty much a done deal, and then uh, it, it sort of changed late. So, obviously Dean Young, Shane Flanagan uh, in the mix. Baz, to be honest, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Flano getting unveiled. I don't think uh, it was ever going to be uh, done this week. I think some conversations were had this week, but there's a game to prepare for. There's a lot going on next week. Yeah. Obviously, the Dragons are heading into a bye, uh, so there's a bit of time to see where the dust settles on everything else. The interesting thing becomes, uh, if Flano does get the job, does he come straight across? Anthony Seabold was asked about that this week. Obviously, he's current boss at, at Manly, and he said he, he backed him for the role, said, I'd love to see him actually coaching the Dragons, but whether they could uh, you know, negotiate a... a uh, an early release or, or an immediate switch. Let's be honest, the Dragons aren't really in finals contention or anything else, so they're not gonna you're not gonna be playing, you know, a former assistant, you know, in the top four or in a, in the first week of the finals. So that could play in the favour. Uh, Jason Rolls was in a position where he probably would have come straight across, but with Ryan Carr to see out the year, that still may be the case. I asked Ryan that question yesterday, would he be happy to continue an interim role with an incoming coach providing some input and he said he'd be more than happy to, to do that, whatever the club required of him. So, But uh, it's got to happen, Baz. It's got to happen uh, early next week. Otherwise, it starts to become a bit classical. So I think we will see an announcement. If you were twisting my arm and I had to put uh, that money I'm going to win on conscript this afternoon on someone, I'd be going with uh, Shade Planning. Well, Dragons Rabbitohs, 3 o'clock at Cogra this afternoon. Thanks to GWM City Motors, GWM Havel, also to Impact Garage Doors. And get on down to Wollongong Golf Club Wednesday, June 21. For the State of Origin call, live with the team Jimmy Smith, Tim Manor and Dragons player Moses Mbai. We'll be back here next week, 8am, Saturdays in the Gong.